Johnny was a very bright five-year-old, and he told his dad that he'd like to have a baby brother. And along with his request, he offered to do whatever he could to help. And his dad was a very bright 35-year-old, and so he replied, I'll tell you what, Johnny, if you pray every day for the next three months for a baby brother, I believe that, that God just might give you one. Johnny was excited. He couldn't wait to get to his bedroom early that night in order to start praying. And he prayed every night for many weeks, but, but then he started getting skeptical. He checked around the neighborhood and found out that what he thought was going to happen had never occurred in the history of the neighborhood. That you don't just pray for a few weeks or months and then you have a baby brother. So Johnny stopped praying. After a few more weeks, Johnny's mother went to the hospital. When she came back home, his parents called him into the bedroom and, and he walked in and there laying next to his mother in the bed uh, was a little bundle. And uh, his dad pulled back the blanket and there was not one baby brother, but two. His mother had had twins. And so Johnny's dad looked down at him and said, now, aren't you glad you prayed? And Johnny looked up at his dad and said, aren't you glad I quit when I did? We are many weeks into this uh, series on the essentials, so, so many weeks that you might start thinking, okay, how can so many things be essential? Thought we were narrowing things down here, and yet we're, we're going on and on. There are still several more things that are essential, and prayer is, uh, is, a, is an important one. It's, it's fundamental to our lives as followers of Jesus. Preacher by the name of R.A. Torrey once wrote many years ago, prayer can do anything that God can do. And as God can do anything, prayer is omnipotent. Someone overheard a little child praying, bless mommy and daddy and sissy and dear God, take good care of yourself. If anything happens to you, we're sunk. If we're not connecting with God in prayer, we're sunk. Connecting with God, that, that's really the point of prayer, but we don't really treat prayer like that's the point. Uh, we, we tend to use prayer primarily to ask for and hopefully get the things that we want or the things that we need, right? Uh, we think that it's, it's uh, almost a little magical thing, right? It, we almost treat it as, as wishing or hoping uh, that, that if we just say the right words at the right times, in the right places, in the right ways, maybe with the right positions, I don't know, uh, then, then God will jump up and do what we ask. Or we, we think that prayer is just something we do when there's a crisis. I mean, I, I don't know what else to do, so I might as well pray. Or, or uh, you tell somebody, you're in my prayers, but they're probably really not. You just said that. Maybe, maybe prayer is just something that grandma did. Or something that preachers do. Or something that those super Christians do. But prayer isn't really... Any of those things. I, I don't think it's simplifying it too much to say that prayer is simply a living life connected to God. No more, no less. Oswald Chambers put it this way. The point of prayer is not to get answers from God, but to have perfect and complete oneness with him. If we pray only because we want answers, we will become irritated and angry with God. We receive an answer every time we pray. But it does not always come in the way we expect or and our spiritual irritation shows our refusal to identify ourselves truly with the Lord in prayer. Connecting with God. And actually there's, there are a variety. 
variety of, uh, of habits and practices that the, uh, the, the church down through history has, has called uh, uh, spiritual disciplines or means of grace. Uh, things that, that help us connect with God. And those things might include uh, something like, you know, things like fasting or uh, solitude and silence, taking time uh, uh, away from, from anything and everything else. Bible study, Bible memorization, uh, worship, uh, giving, serving others. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, diff- diff- different lists, uh, different people over the years have compiled different lists. Uh, basically, means uh, a means of grace is just a churchy kind of way of describing anything that we do to intentionally connect with God. We, we experience his grace more deeply as we take the time to walk through certain disciplines or habits or practices. John 15, uh, in John 15, Jesus describes that as remaining in him. So we're connected to him, we're remaining in him. John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So, so he's, he's tying remaining in him to prayer, right? If we're remaining, we can ask whatever we wish and it will be done. The, the key isn't so much in the asking, but in the remaining. And we remain as we practice these disciplines or these means of grace. Now, I could take a, a month of Sundays or more and uh, we could talk about some of these different disciplines and how to practice them and, and why they're beneficial and, and all those sorts of things. And, and um, uh, it, all of those, though, I think are, are tied to and include prayer. And so today, as we're, as we're narrowing things down and getting to the essentials, I, I want to spend time specifically on that essential practice of praying. Uh, and and in, in doing that, again, we could spend a month of Sundays talking about prayer and all the different aspects of prayer and, and all those things. And, and so today, I would like to just look at the life of Jesus and uh, so the, his prayer life and what we can learn from him. I've already told you in this series that that Jesus was in every way human, just like we are. He grew up, he lived, he worked, he had relationships, he faced difficulties, and he was in need of connection with God, his Father. Jesus was in constant contact with God. He followed uh, God's direction at every turn. He obeyed him to the fullest. He he called out to him in times of need. He worshipped him and, and praised him and thanked him. Jesus lived a life connected to God, and so can you. In fact, it's essential. <laughs> so so uh, let's let's look and see how Jesus stayed connected to his Father. First of all, Jesus' prayer life included personal and private prayer. Luke 5.16 says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often, meaning this was Jesus' habit, right? He did this regularly. Uh, Most likely daily. I'm sure many times it was multiple times a day. Uh, uh, Jesus' connection with God was fueled by private times of prayer, one-on-one, alone with his Father, and, and it's essential that we know that, that, that you will not get to know God intimately if you do not get alone with him. You will not get to know God intimately. You will not connect with him if you do not get alone with him. Uh, primarily, this involves uh, what has come to be known, and I'm not sure why, come to be known as doing your devotions. And if we think about that phrase for any, any length of time whatsoever, we realize that it doesn't make any sense at all. 
Uh, I, I don't know how you someone can do something called devotions. I mean, you can be devoted to something or someone. You can do things that show devotion. But describing a time spent in prayer and reading the Bible and and uh, uh, journaling and thinking about God and and all those things it probably shouldn't couldn't be summed up as doing. Dev- but regardless, I mean, that's that's my own little. You know, I'll get down off my off my uh, uh, little little uh, rant for just a second. And recognize that I'd like to call it something different if we can. Uh, this personal private prayer is simply spending time with God. Are you spending, you know, you could ask, are you doing your devotions? Have you done your devotions today? What? Have you spent time with God today? That's, that's the number one question. We came up with these questions a, a little while back, uh, uh, questions to live by, right? There are five questions that, that we can ask ourselves every day. And the number one question right at the top of the list have I, have I met with God today? That's the number one question on the list. If we want to, uh, if we want to have a healthy spiritual life, it starts with meeting with God, spending time alone with God, personal and private prayer. Uh, as, as a, as a pastor, I, I sometimes meet with people when they're in crisis. I remember early on in ministry, I was a youth pastor and, and I'd talk with students and they'd, they'd have some crisis they were going through and, and sometimes much more serious than other times. But, but after listening to them and they'd explain the crisis and, and, uh, uh, and, and we'd talk a little bit about it, I would always ask if they had uh, prayed about it and, and, uh, if they had in their regular time with God, if they, what they were sensing God telling them. And, um, and I, I wasn't surprised, but I, I guess I'd say I was disappointed. When virtually all, maybe not all, most, most would say that they didn't really have much of a personal time with God and they hadn't really been praying about it. They figured they'd just come to me and, and I'd send them in the right direction, which is fine and I was more than welcome. But the first direction I would send them to is back to that personal private time with God. And unfortunately, in becoming a senior pastor hasn't changed a whole lot in some of those same conversations. Despite the fact that there are more books and sites and apps and helps than ever before to facilitate spending time with God, many people just aren't doing it. Let me say it again. You will not get to know God intimately if you do not get alone with him. So find a private place, uh, carve out the time, uh, read the Bible, talk to him, listen, connect, whatever is, is involved in that. Do whatever you can to connect with God regularly, daily. It's essential to your spiritual life. Jesus did. Pretty sure if the son of God needed to spend time alone often in prayer, maybe I do too. In, in addition to that daily personal time with God, our, pr- our private, uh, our, our prayer time should also include uh, times of extended prayer. Uh, and Jesus, Jesus did this. We see this in his life too. Luke, Luke six twelve is one example. One of uh, those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Sometimes it's not just the, uh, the, the 15 minutes, the half hour, the one hour in the morning or in the evening or whatever, the, the, our regular time with God. Uh, sometimes we need to block out extended 
time with God, right? Usually uh, this, this would be for a specific purpose or a, a season of life in, in Luke 6, uh, right after Jesus prayed all night. Uh, we see in that passage that then he chose the 12 disciples the next day. He, so he was praying all night for a specific purpose in order to receive direction and, and uh, 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 a word from God. And then once he received that, he, he was able then to act the next day. In calling the 12 disciples. So, so we need to have these extended times for prayer as well. It's not just about going through the, uh, uh, the, the, that daily personal time, the, the regular time with God. For instance, and you see there on the back of your bulletin, uh, we've got an announcement there for the, uh, the district uh, prayer watch. That would be an example of, a, of extended time. Uh, people sign up uh, for one hour increments uh, throughout the course of a week. So this was, is the last week of uh, November, November 26th through de- December 2nd. Uh, several of you have participated in the past. This is the third annual time that we have done that. It's been a great uh, opportunity. It's been a great thing. We, uh, we, can, uh, we can see God answering those prayers, specifically praying. There's a, there's a, a prayer guide, and, and honestly, I found in walking through that prayer guide, I run out at some, sometimes an hour, I don't know, I can pray for an hour. You walk through this prayer guide and, and walk through that, work through that. Uh, the hour's up before, you're, before you're, you know it. Last year on our district, over 600 people professed faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, just because of the ministry of the churches of our district. We can uh, look back to times, extended, personal, intense times of prayer like that prayer time in, uh, in, in, in uh, God answering those prayers by souls being saved. 250 people in our churches were baptized uh, this past year, uh, this past church year, uh, and, and I think as a result of uh, this, these, these times of prayer. As I was reflecting on that, though, um, I, uh, I was wondering, wondering what God could do if we really, if we really got, got to praying. Um, we have 63 organized churches on our district, uh, ranging in sizes, right? We've got some with thousands and some with hundreds and some with tens, right? Uh, we've got some that are just church plants and they're not even included in that number. 63 organized churches. On any given Sunday, if you look at the statistics, roughly 10,000 people over north central Ohio are uh, either gathered in one of our churches, probably like right now, right? Or they're logged in online. Uh, we've got over 10,000 people that, uh, that are part of our, part of our district. And last year in the, uh, in the district prayer watch, the last week of November, of those 10,000 people that are part of our churches, 183 people participated in the prayer watch. Less than 2%. Three per church. I'm not saying that to shame us. Maybe I, maybe I am a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but, but, but to motivate us. And not just motivate us here, but motivate us as a district, as a people, as Christians. We have the possibility of connecting with the very God of the universe. Who has the power at his fingertips to, to enact change in people's, not just their lives, physical lives, but in their souls. And we're not taking advantage of that connection just a little side note 
The, uh, the sign-up is live. You can go there and sign up uh, for your time slot or time slots. You could do it right now. If you bow out of the sermon for the next few minutes to do that, I won't hold it against you. Go for it. Uh, you have the possibility of, of uh, doing it. But not, it's not, just not, that's just one example. What is it in your life where you need to set, out, set aside some time to really, really wrestle in your spiritual life with God? Jesus' spiritual life, Jesus' prayer life was characterized by, by often going to this personal private time of prayer. And then also when there were times when he really needed uh, to connect with God, he had extended times of prayer for specific purposes. Well, another thing that characterized Jesus' uh, times of prayer was the presence and anointing of God. I look to, uh, to Luke chapter 3 where Jesus was being baptized. It says when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Um, this is actually Jesus' first prayer recorded in the book of Luke. And, and, and there, there are three big results to, to his praying here, right? Heaven opened. The Holy Spirit came down and God spoke. Am I, I don't think it's, it's overstating it to say that those same things could be and should be happening at times when we pray too. Now a dove's probably not going to come down and land on your shoulder. Don't, we're not, we're not expecting that. But, but, uh, but, but when was the last time? I mean, this is convicting. When was the last time that you felt like heaven opened when you prayed? And you received God's blessing. Are your prayers anointed by the Holy Spirit's presence? What is God saying to you? What is God saying over you as you pray? This physical whatever, all this thing. That didn't happen every time Jesus prayed, certainly. Or in that dramatic fashion. But it also didn't just happen to Jesus. It happened in the early church too. Acts 4.31 says, after they prayed, the, the church they gathered, uh, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Our prayer lives should be characterized by the presence and anointing of God. This isn't just about going through the list and walking through the routine. We're, we're, we're connecting with God. And as we do, we're expecting that we're going to experience his presence and his power in our lives. Jesus' prayer life was also characterized by transformation and heart change. Now stick with me as we read Luke 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Okay, I'm not saying that you're going to glow when you, when you pray. We're not talking about this. this. This happened one time to Jesus, only Jesus, not the guys with him. Uh, I get that. But I, but I am saying that prayer doesn't just change your circumstances. Prayer changes you. Don't you, don't you think it's possible that after you've spent time with God and, and you come away from that, maybe your face would show it? I'm not saying you're going to glow and, and uh, bright lights uh, coming out of your eyes or whatever. The, uh, I, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be possible and maybe even preferred, maybe even expected that when you come away from time with the living God that you'd be different? Maybe that's not just possible. Maybe, maybe that's... That's the point. 
right? 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now this is referring back to, uh, in this letter, uh, Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he's referring back to uh, um, uh, Moses when he met with God and, uh, and he'd come out of that tent after meeting with God and his face literally glowed. It was like he had a God burn on his face, right? And, uh, and then it would fade over time and so Moses put a veil over his face so it wouldn't freak people out and so they wouldn't notice that, the, that, that it was fading over time. But, but he says we have unveiled faces and we contemplate God's glory and as we do that we are being transformed to be more and more like him. And his glory is, is increasing in us as his spirit uh, transforms and changes us. We reflect the image of God and it should be obvious to other people. Prayer does that. When we spend time with the living God, we'll be different. Oswald Chambers again. God has established things so that prayer on the basis of redemption changes the way a person looks at things. Prayer is not a matter of changing things externally, but one of working miracles in a person's inner nature. God transforms us when we pray. Something else that Jesus experienced in prayer was, uh, was strength and preparation. Uh, in Luke 22, I won't read through it all, but uh, in Luke 22, we see that, that Jesus was praying earnestly in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, for hours, uh, hours before his, uh, his betrayal and his crucifixion, right? And, and he asked for, for a change of circumstances. He says, take this cup from me. I don't, I don't want to do this. God. I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I know where this is headed. I don't want to go there. Take this cup from me. He's, he's in anguish. Uh, it says there in Luke, he's, he's to the point of sweating blood. He's, he's so stressed out about this. But in praying, he's also preparing himself for whatever God has in, in store. But not my will, but yours be done. I'm, I'm convinced, I believe with all my heart, that Jesus could not have endured the cross had he not spent time in prayer in the garden. He had to connect with God in order to receive the strength and, and to prepare himself for what was coming. I don't have to tell you, uh, life can be difficult, right? God has plans for you. I, I get it. Despite what you may have read on a mug or a t-shirt, those plans don't always mean prosperity and a lack of harm. Just that's probably another sermon somewhere. Sometimes God's plans are uncomfortable or difficult or painful. God's plans are best, but they're not always easy. And you cannot face all that will come your way if you are not spending time with God in prayer connected to the source of your strength. You will not effectively carry out God's plans in your life if you are not preparing your soul through times of prayer. Strength, conviction, encouragement, direction, vision, hope, the list goes on and on. All of that and more is available through our times with God in prayer. Prayer gives strength and prepares us for life. Maybe you've heard Martin Luther who, who said uh, so many years ago, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Samuel Chadwick, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from Prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. 
Jesus' life, I'm sure his prayer life included so much more than these few things that that I've mentioned here today. I'm sure I've just scratched the surface. Hopefully, again, we're looking at these essentials. Hopefully, uh, we can build on these foundations and see just how important connecting with God must be in our lives with him. Just one more thing I want to make note of in, in Jesus' prayer life, and that is that it was characterized by intercession and blessing. Luke 24:50 right right at the end of the gospel of Luke Jesus has has uh, been crucified was buried was raised to life and and uh, he has uh, lived out uh, a few days a few weeks and now he's gathered the disciples and he's getting ready to uh, to be ascended back into heaven and it says in Luke 24:50 that when he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany he lifted up his hands and blessed them According to Luke's account here, Jesus' final act on this earth was to hold out his hands and to bless his disciples. I, I, I think that's incredible. Not, not only was he proclaiming God's blessing and anointing over them, he's also, in holding out his hands, what's, what's, he, what's he showing them? I mean, only a few weeks before he had received the scars in his hands, showing the extent of his love for them. As he reaches out and prays God's blessing on them. Elsewhere in in Luke, Jesus told Peter that he'd been praying for him specifically to be able to be strong and and to endure the devil's attacks. He's he's interceding on behalf of Peter. In John 17, we we have uh, a huge chapter of Jesus' prayer specifically for his disciples in in that upper room. And, And then not only did he pray for the disciples, he also prayed for you and me specifically. John 17, 20. It says, my prayer is not only for them, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And a couple thousand years later, if you believe in Jesus, then that's you. Jesus prayed for you. And as I told you a few weeks ago when we talked all about Jesus... He's still doing it. <laughs> he hasn't stopped. Romans 8.34 that Jesus is, says that Jesus is currently at God's right hand interceding for us. I love what, what Pastor Robert Murray McShane once said. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. And he is interceding for you. Jesus' prayer life has continued to this very minute. He is lifting you up to his Father. He he has you on his mind and in his prayers. He is interceding for you and praying for God's blessing on you. Prayer and spiritual disciplines are all about maintaining and strengthening our connection with God. Remaining in close relationship. It's, It's essential to your walk with God. Again, there are, there are so many studies and so many places in prayer. We just looked at a few things that, uh, that uh, were part of Jesus' prayer life. So much throughout Scripture describes prayer. But, but if we get down to the essentials, which, we are, which we're doing in this series, we get to the foundation that prayer is vital to our spiritual lives. Whatever that looks like and wherever you are on your journey with God, uh, he, is, he is ready and willing to listen. Author and pastor Max Lucado uh, wrote uh, in his book, In the Eye of the Storm, about a time when he was traveling for speaking engagements. This was, was years ago. 
uh, he'd, uh, he'd left his home and his family in San Antonio, Texas, and, and he, uh, he, he spoke first in, in, in Boston, and then he was uh, heading, headed on to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and he had to change planes in Minneapolis. And, and he wrote in, in this book uh, years ago, he said, I was tired. He, he, he wrote that, that he was thinking about how, how tired and hungry he was and, and how crowded the airplane had been and how his back was aching and his mind was hurting and try as he might, he couldn't even remember who was supposed to meet him uh, at, uh, once he landed in Canada and, and uh, what, what, uh, what the, the details were once he got there. So he's heading through the, through the terminal try to uh, catch his next plane. And he saw a McDonald's and he knew that wasn't the best choice in the world. But he also thought, you know what, right now, the way I feel, that sounds good. Maybe I'll run over there and get a, get a cheeseburger and that'll at least satisfy my hunger. But then, then he wrote this. I passed something better. Again, years ago, I passed a telephone and decided to call home. I called and my wife answered the phone. I just talked with her. We talked about the weather in San Antonio versus the weather in New England. We talked about what the girls did when they went to school that day and that one of them was going to have a friend over to spend the evening. We talked about earth-shaking things like that. And after I had finished talking with her, I really felt good. Then she passed the receiver over to one of my daughters who told me about her day. And when she finished, she said, I love you, Dad. It felt good to be loved. He goes on to describe the phone was then passed over to his next daughter and she talked to him for a while and then she said, I miss you, Dad. And he says, it felt good to be missed. He then writes, they passed the phone over to my little six-month-old baby and I talked to my baby over the phone. She cooed and I talked baby talk and the people passing by looked at me in strange ways. But it felt good to be cooed at. Then I hung up and I made my way on to the next gate. Max in that book wraps up the story this way. He said, I forgot how hungry I was. I forgot how tired I was because I had called home. And that made all the difference in the world. And I don't know about you or how long it's been since you've called home since you've talked to your heavenly father personally, where you've, maybe you've gotten private and had some time with him, or maybe you had extended time in prayer, maybe you sensed his his anointing and his power in in your life, or he's prepared you, or maybe, maybe it's been a while. No time like the present, because I believe that it's essential that we stay connected with God. You will not know God. And you will not be victorious in your Christian life. And you will not do what God wants you to do if you're not spending time with Him in prayer. 